by clinical trainees and for clinical trainees, this is Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is your resource for all things healthcare business, policy, and current events. In this episode, Dan and Isabel talk to Dr. Stella Sappho, HIV primary care doctor and co-founder of Vote Health. Vote Health is a nonpartisan coalition of health professionals collaborating to increase clinician and patient voter turnout. VoteHealth2020.com provides free, easy-to-use resources for voter registration, education, and mobilization. Welcome to Well-Rounded. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our November edition of Well-Rounded. Um, we're very excited to have Dr. Stella Sappho. She is a co-founder of Vote Health, and voting is what we are going to talk about today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sappho. Thank you so much for having me. So, Dr. Sappho, I have to say I'm a huge fan of Vote Health. Before we started the recording, I was sharing that we actually used a lot of your materials to get our residents registered to vote. I'm so glad to hear that, Dan, that you guys used our materials. I think that that really is the beauty of Vote Health, which we'll talk about, which is that people, you know, in their daily practice can just go and pick up the materials and use them and they don't have to connect to any of us co-founders or any of the staff. You can just kind of get up and go. So, I mean, there's so much we could talk to you about today, but focusing on this exciting topic of voting, we want to talk to you about what Vote Health is and also why we need it and how it came about. Yeah, it's a great question because I think a lot of times I know I've sat there as a clinician and thought, oh, this problem is so annoying. If only we could figure out a way to address it. And the really cool thing about Vote Health 2020 is it came from that desire. The founder, Sarah um, met with some of her colleagues and said, what can we do these upcoming elections? I got pulled on board fairly early on. And what we designed was a platform to get clinicians, and we mean anyone in the healthcare space, front desk staff nursing, medical assistants, uh, clinicians, uh, like, you know, PAs, doctors, etc., to really engage three populations. One, your patients, two, your peers, and then three, the general community around voting. And the reason why this felt so pressing to us is that there's just a ton of misinformation around how you manage yourself in a pandemic, and voting historically has required large crowds to come together. So the concern that we had is some of our patients may not go out and vote at all, or some of our colleagues would be so busy dealing with COVID patients that they may not get the opportunity to make their voices heard. So Vote Health is a nonpartisan organization that's really focused on how do we use the healthcare delivery sector to really get our patients, our peers, and our communities out to vote? And how do we get those individuals to vote in a way that's safe and pays attention to the fact that we are still in a global pandemic? Of course. And uh, we we use the product ourselves and well-rounded. We endorse it. <laughs> you know, I think one reason we're really excited to have you is to get your opinion on how trainees should talk to their patients about voting, whether it's wrong to talk about voting, which I think we know what your answer is. And then <laughs> if it's not, then how we should be talking about it. So to me, and I think to many of us, part of the work of Vote Health isn't just this 2020 election season, which is insane for many reasons, but right. for this 2020 election season, getting people out to vote, it's really changing the way in which we think about clinicians as stewards of our civic engagement process. 
And it, it's it's taking away the sense that somehow telling someone to vote is a political thing or is something that's a little bit dicey or dangerous. You know, when we ask our clinicians uh, that we work with if they want to be vote health partners and they want to use the materials, sometimes they'll say to me, well, what will I say to my administration? And I always start by reminding them that the IRS 501c3 code, as well as the National Voter Registration Act, actually pushes and in some parts for federally qualified health centers, encourages and mandates that those sites and institutions help voters with registration. The biggest caveat there is that it has to be nonpartisan. And you heard me say earlier that Vote Health 2020 is also nonpartisan. You know, me as Stella Sappho, I have many strong views about candidates and I just have many strong (laughs) views generally. However, as a Vote Health representative, I'm always going to be super down the middle nonpartisan because the only way you know, Isabel, I think to your question that it makes it worthwhile for, or it makes it feasible for us to do this work with our patients is if we can say to them, we want to help you, one, register to vote, two, get out to vote safely, and we don't care who you vote for. So to that specific question of what do you say as a, you know, as a trainee, um, I think the most important thing that I always do is, is I, I make it a really open-ended discussion. I've had patients who, when I say, this is my opening line, you know, are you all set to vote this election season? right? And it's just an open question. What some patients will do, or, or they'll, they'll just let me know by their body language, like they do not want to talk about it anymore. They're sick of, you know, politics, the election. So I'll know right away if, you know, if, the, if I'm reading that from them or they say that, the conversation ends. If they get really excited, which most of my patients are like, oh, doc, yes, like I'm voting here or, oh, doc, I don't know how to set it up. And I get this a lot from my older patients. You know, I'll say, well, let me help you. And then we'll go on to the resources together and we'll make it work. So so asking a question that leaves it open enough where your patients can signal to you what needs to happen, I think is really important. And then I'm very, very clear about not letting the discussion go down the line of partisan because I don't want that patient to walk out of the room and said, Dr. Sappho says she can't stand this candidate and you know, create this sense of you know that, that I'm blocked in some way for my other patients. So once we start talking about whether they have a plan and if they ask me, which you'll often get asked, well, who are you voting for? You know, you focus it back on them. I'm here to help you figure out how you're all set to vote. And so let's really go back and talk about that. Uh, but I think the most important thing is one, the law supports you in asking uh, in a nonpartisan manner. Two, use an open-ended, you know, really mild question. And then three, once they engage with you, just try as best as you can to keep it nonpartisan. Actually, so the law, I have a question about that too, linked to the Hatch Act. Mm -hmm. I think the way you're describing asking people about voting is non-political, right? Because you're not saying like, who are you voting for? Or like, I support X or I support Y. But I think there's some confusion about exactly what you're saying. Like, is just the question of voting somehow becomes a political act? And by the way, for our listeners, the Hatch Act prohibits federal employees from engaging in most political activities, either inside federal buildings or while on the job. Right. There are studies that now show that individuals who who report that they have voted also self-identify as having better health. And then there's some studies that are coming out now that map that to actual health outcomes. We know the data around health disparities, you know, communities that have worse health outcomes, um, especially if they're minority communities, some of them tend to show lower rates of voting. Here in New York in the 2016 elections, 60% of Manhattan residents voted compared to 52% of Bronx residents. There are real voter suppression tactics to preventing particularly minority communities from engaging. So when I report these percentages, there is no way in which I'm at all 
putting the blame on those you know populations or saying that they're not engaged in the process. It's just more reflection that those sites, you know, the 13th congressional district in the Bronx, which is one of the poorest in the country, also has some of the lowest voter engagement. And the reason why that matters is because politicians, especially those that are campaigning, uh, they look at the sites that have voted. They look at how many people in a neighborhood have voted. And from there, they decide which senior center sites they're going to go visit, which you know policies they may be pushing more than others. And so even just voting and being able to show those numbers are robust translates into engagement with your community leaders. So my response to folks who are kind of like, well, the Hatch Act says we shouldn't do this, is again, this idea of physician advocacy. If we care about the way that our patients do, not just physically and mentally, but how they do within the larger world once they leave our clinic, we have to give them the tools to be able to be uh, civically engaged and on the map enough where you know policies are made that actually benefit them. Yeah, I'm so excited that we're doing this podcast because I'm going to play this audio of you to like every supervisor <laughs> I have. Stella said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> Dr. Steffa, thanks so much. This this really resonates with us. And speaking personally, you know, I, I work at a massive safety net hospital in Dallas County. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very proud of the work that we do. Um, but, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, you see how these disparities play out. And I don't really feel like I have the tool belt to address a lot of those problems. We started this podcast really to cover topics that we don't learn about in medical school, and including civic engagement. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting to talk about these things. But what other things do you think that we need to know in residency and medical school so that we can help create a more equitable health system? I love that question. And I'll start off with the voting and kind of civic engagement portion and then kind of make it more broad. Um, I think as it relates to um, helping your your patients engage in this process, one of the things that I've been so surprised by and almost saddened by is um, a bit of a lack of some of the, the the basics that some of my patients have. You know, I have patients who who have told me I've never voted. And when I you know ask them why, they say, well, one, I live in a blue state, so I don't think it matters. But two, just the technicalities around registering are hard for some of them. So one thing that I want to emphasize, you know, certainly in, in this podcast is if you think about the resources that you have, like your pre-med students or your medical students or other kind of volunteers in the clinic, getting them to help patients with some of the basics of let me help you understand the process around voting and why it matters. You know, some some of our patients still can't connect or, or it hasn't been connected for them that their vote impacts local elections. And those local elections are the ones who choose the judges and the prosecutors that then impact, you know, God forbid if they end up or their family ends up in the in the court system, that then impacts the, the court system. So there's work that I think can be done by some of us in the medical field who are interested in this kind of activism of saying, you know, when your patients come to your clinic, they, first of all, they're there oftentimes for quite a long time because of the clinic flow. And while you have them, that is a captive audience. How amazing would it be to spend that time, yes, teaching them about how to get their hemoglobin A1C down, but also making sure that they're set around different ways that they can advocate for themselves. So Vote Help is a movement that says, like, here are some tools, here are some flyers, here are some QR codes, here are some stickers, but really, here is this understanding that we have to bring this to our patients and partner with our patients to make this happen. And so that's kind of as it relates to voting. And then as it relates more generally, you know, I think there are many ways in which medicine, unfortunately, 
beats the advocacy out of us. Um, you know, if you think about things like, and I put this in quotations, pimping, you know, where someone speaks to you disrespectfully and you as a medical student are supposed to accept and reply to that by giving them answers that they're looking for. You know, yeah. that that kind of training and into a certain kind of passiveness, I think happens throughout the medical school system. But I think it's important for us to really be aware of the ways in which we lose our voice as physicians. So that then when we, you know, get to the point where we have power, maybe as an attending or as a resident, wherever you are, we don't even think that it's worthwhile to speak up. And so, you know, when I think about physician advocacy, I I often think for myself of how important it is to use your voice. And we do it naturally for our patients. If my patient needs, you know, a renal consult, I will go all the way down to make sure it happens. How about advocating for your colleagues? What does that look like? How do you do that? And then as you get that voice stronger, the advocacy becomes then for yourself and also for your patients in a way that's non-traditional, right? Maybe the advocacy is around getting chairs that accommodate our obese populations into our clinics. I think that the importance of looking at our culture, understanding how it quiets our voice, and then finding our voice slowly is something that I think absolutely needs to be brought back into medicine. So after the election, like listening to you and thinking about all the tools that Vote Health has already galvanized for medical providers, what are the next steps for vote health? I think when this is all done, the space that we most want to spend time in is thinking through how we continue this movement and change the culture. So maybe it looks like a continuation of these lectures for you know residencies and medical students around what physician advocacy and engagement looks like around civic engagement. Um, and then for me, the part that I love the most is that this is built as a movement. So if you guys have ideas and folks that are listening have ideas and you say, you know, what we really need is this thing, um, we're totally open to, to you know, being able to shape it around that as well. And with that, I think that we'll close it off with a question that we ask a lot of our guests. You know, it's, it's a wild time for medical students, residents, fellows, um, all these folks who are starting off their careers in, in the middle of a, a worldwide pandemic, political strife, you name it. Mm. What advice do you have for folks who are trying to work their way through this crazy world? Man, I feel like whatever advice I come up with has to go to myself as well. I mean, it is just insane. We have never lived through a time like this. I don't remember a time when personally I have felt challenged as a minority, as a woman, as a healthcare provider, as a scientist, just as a human, right? Like from every angle, you feel like what is happening? So the advice that I I give you is the advice that my West African mom always gives me, which is make sure that you yourself are okay. I have seen a lot of colleagues who are running on empty. I've seen a lot of um, people who just, you know, are trying to kind of do superhuman things of just everything. I mean, as we speak now, I have signed up as a poll worker. I'm doing election protection. I'm doing vote <laughs> health. I am doing phone banking and I'm seeing if I can go do safe, socially distanced canvassing in Pennsylvania. I have lost my mind, right? Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing you know it all because it feels like it's, this is the time for this. But that isn't the approach that we need to be taking. The approach that we need to be taking, I mean, it is for me and, and others who want to join and do some of this work. Yes. You know, the approach that we have to be taking is, you know, this, this time will pass. We will have hopefully strong leadership um, in, in, in the White House, and we will go to a time where the pandemic is under control. It will not be okay for us if we ourselves are not okay. And so for me, I come back to this place of take care of your mental health. Keep really close to your communities. I mean, when I was in med school, we just had no time to, you know, I couldn't attend 
functions and weddings and you know and now we don't have those but but this is a time where you want to stay close to your family and your friends who knows how long we have with all of them right and so for me like i would answer that by saying i think a focus on self is actually really important because the day-to-day kind of wearing down on our mental well-being is really huge. And we won't be okay if after these elections are done, we're totally burned out and we have no compassion and we can't kind of build our country to where we want to build it. So I, I, I kind of encourage all of us to make sure that we're okay with self first. Well, thank you so much. This was an incredible episode and we're so thankful for all the work you're doing and that Vote Health is doing. um, And we're really excited to see what work continues to be done. So thank you, Dr. Sappho. Oh, I wanted to shout out Vote Health, votehealth2020.com. Everybody (laughs) check it out. Isabel, is that a wrap? That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to another episode of Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is made by Isabel Rosenthal, Dan Arteaga, and Lauren Tronic. Sound engineering is by Tommy Bazarian. And our theme music is by R.O. Shapiro and Micah Motenko. For more episodes and information, visit wellroundedmed.com and be sure to follow us at Well-Rounded Med on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks, y'all.